Happy birthday, y'all. 25 years. Nothing to sneeze at right there. Um, I'm going to do something I don't ever do, but it's pretty rare that my two worlds collide. So as many of you know, I'm actually a volunteer here, and I'm actually a real estate developer. I develop high-rises in the city of Chicago. And uh, so today I have the privilege of being introduced to you all to my alderman. Alderman Burnett is back here, so I just want to... His wife, Darlena. Yeah. So uh, I've been developing in his ward for the last 10 or 12 years, and uh, so it's, it's been great. I, I actually went to their church's 78th year birthday, which so makes us look like a teenager. But. <laughs> so, you know, it's no secret if you've been coming to Westridge that, you know, in my early days, I had a lot of issues with the church, even though I was an ordained pastor in the early days of my life. Um, there came a point where I walked away, not only from the church, but also walked away from my relationship with God for a lot of years. And so several years later, when I made a decision to come back, I had this problem because I was trying to rebuild my faith. But the one place that I probably felt the most uncomfortable, out of place, and judged was actually in the church. And so as I would go out and visit churches, I couldn't really connect to like the mainstream churches because it just left me cold. I, I really couldn't identify with pastors who stood up on stage and leading seemingly perfect lives, primarily because mine was so screwed up at the time. And so I just didn't feel like the church was a safe place where I could rebuild my faith. And so I thought, you know, if, if that was the case for me, maybe that... A lot of people felt the same way. And so 25-some years ago, when I was a much younger man and apparently had a mullet, <laughs> I made a decision to start Westridge. And uh, it was the best decision uh, uh, of my life, I have to tell you. Um, I knew, though, on that day that we made the decision to start the church that it had to be different. It had to be what I describe as never church as usual. And I have to say that 25 years later, as flawed as this church is, as imperfect, and believe me, you're a lot of imperfect people here, <laughs> imperfect as we are, this is the most beautiful place uh, that I could have ever imagined, and I think that we actually uh, have created an amazing church here, so very, very grateful. So. So I'll just say that when the church is never church as usual, just to be very clear about this, then it never pretends to be perfect. It never promises to have all the answers, because we don't. It never promises to have it all together. What it does do is to promise that everyone will be accepted. And that no matter what it is that you're going through in your life, that when you face that thing, that we will face it down together as a community. Westridge is a real church full of real people who have real problems, who live in the real world, and we celebrate a real God. And we're just all in the same boat, right? We're just a bunch of messed up people who are just trying to get it right, but we're doing it together. Mm-hmm. That's a... You may not know this, but that, that song we performed on our very first birthday of the church back in 1998, which is crazy. We old. 
Um, many, of you, uh, many of you may not know this, but uh, we actually started this church from scratch um, with about 10 or 15 of us who had kind of gotten together and we were all very frustrated with church. And so we just kind of all had the same vision. And so we decided to start this church together. And um, so the way we decided to actually start the church was to send out postcards about what our vision of Westridge would be and how it would be never church as usual. Does anybody like remember getting that card 25 years? Like it was a long time ago. Yeah, there's a few of you there. Okay. So yeah, we sent out these postcards and then we kind of sat back and waited because we had no idea whether, you know, anybody would even show up, right? Well, can you believe that on our very first Sunday when we met at Elgin Community College, we had 853 people show up for the very first Sunday? Isn't that insane? I mean, it was, it was nuts. The place was packed. It was unbelievable. So I knew that right from the start, I had to kind of set the boundary, right, of that this church was not going to be a church as usual, that it had to be different. And so I set out to do this series that would show how we were going to be different, and we wanted people to be part of it only if they believed in the vision of what we were trying to create. And so I'll never forget it. On the, on the very first Sunday, I look out at this, you know, across this sea of, of people, and I said, if y'all are looking for a church where you can put the pastor up on a pedestal because he's such a great man of God, <laughs> this is sure not the place for you. I, I told the story about how I'd walked away from my relationship with God, and I was just coming back in my relationship with God, and I talked about how messed up I was, and I said, I am so not that. I said, um... I may be no Billy Graham, but if you want somebody who's going to walk with you in your journey to God and, and when the road gets bumpy, that I'll be right there at your side, then this is the place for you. Well, I went home that day. I thought I crushed it. However, next Sunday, the attendance dropped by half. It was like, oh, man, that's crazy. Where would everybody go? But, well, we were kind of like say, well, you know, like 400 people, that still like exceeded our expectation of kind of how we would start. And, you know, that was, that was great, right? So next week, I continue in the series. And I get back up on stage and I say, if you're looking for a place where the church is going to approach the Bible academically, where the pastor wants to put himself up as being the smartest guy in the room because he's going to quote the Greek and Hebrew syntax and the English derivatives of every verse. I said, this ain't the place for you because we really believe that the Bible was given to us as the place that we encounter God, not as a textbook. I said, so if you're looking for a place that will talk honestly about the junk in our lives and how the Bible can help to heal us up and give us like the roadmap and how the Bible relates to us, our everyday life, then this is the place for you. The next Sunday, we dropped by another hundred. <laughs> and so the next week, I get back up and I said, hey, if you're looking for the perfect church, I said, this is so not the place for you because I imagine that Westridge is going to be full of imperfect, messed up people just like me. But I will promise you this, that everybody will be accepted here. And so I said, no matter 
who you are or what you've done or what color your skin is or how much money you have or you don't have or how bad you think your sin is. It doesn't matter because this will be a place of grace and you will be accepted. Next Sunday, we dropped again. <laughs> so every week, the numbers kept getting smaller and smaller. It was almost like that show Survivor, only people were voting themselves off the island. <laughs> and those who stayed around, they were looking around wondering if there was even going to be any church left by the time I finished this series. Well, the very next Sunday was Time Change Sunday. And back then, we had one service at 10 a.m. And so we're there in the ECC auditorium in the morning rehearsing, and we're working on lighting stuff, so the auditorium is pitch black. And sure enough, 9 a.m. rolls around, and here walks in the sweetest little lady. She's all flustered because she thinks she's late for church, when in fact, she's an hour early, right? And so she quickly, like, can't see anything, but she quickly, like, grabs her seat. Well, it just so happens that at the exact moment that she sits down, the worship band begins to rehearse the worship set. So she thinks church is starting. So right on cue, she stands up and she just starts singing her little heart out. It was so beautiful. But as she's singing, her eyes are beginning to adjust to the darkness and she's looking around going... (laughs) What's going on? But to her credit, she just keeps on singing. I mean, she was committed. Being the compassionate pastor I was, I was in the corner laughing my rear end off, and this was like (laughs) seriously funny. So I finally decided to go let her off the hook, so I walk up to her, and I say, Vicki, how are you doing? And she has this real panicked look on her face, and she grabs me by the shoulders, and she says, Pastor, am I the only one left? (laughs) Well, it never got quite that bad. It got bad sometimes. It never got quite that bad. But let me just say that we have come a long way since then, and it has been an amazing journey over the last 25 years, and I am truly blessed to be here. So I just want to thank all of you for the last 25. So thanks. (laughs) Thanks. When you, uh, when you look at the biblical model of the way that the church was intended to be, the way that God intended it to be, there's a great passage in the book of Philippians chapter 2 because it provides for us a description of what authentic community is supposed to look like. And it says this in Philippians 2 verses 2 through 4. It says, work together in one spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you put the interest of others first. Now, that all sounds great and beautiful, but I got to tell you something. That's a whole lot of stinking work right there. Because achieving authentic community, that's a lot of work. Because it requires a lot of us. It requires us to be humble even when we're feeling secure and we need an ego boost ourselves. It requires us to be patient even when we're frustrated with each other. It requires us to put others first even when we want to put the focus in on me right now. 
It requires us to be vulnerable and honest about the stuff and, and the brokenness and pain in our lives, even when we don't want to admit it. It requires us to help somebody in need in the most inconvenient of times. Make no mistake about it. Creating a church that is never church as usual is a whole lot of work, and it's not for the faint of heart because it requires all of us to be all in all the time, even when we don't feel like it. Look, the Bible makes it very clear. We are all a bunch of messed up people with an amazing knack for screwing up our lives. We all do things that go against God. We sin. We fall. We mess up. Ain't nobody any better than anybody else. And not one of us has lived a life worthy of this. That while we were still a bunch of messed up sinners, Jesus died for us. And he saved our rear ends from the pits of hell. And because of that, we can be healed of all the messed up stuff in our life, and we can go forward in our lives and walk authentically with our heads held high because we are walking in the grace and the forgiveness of God. We don't have to pretend like we're all that and we got it all together because God knows most of the time we're all just a hot mess. The Jesus I follow could not care less about how good you look on the outside or how much of the Christianity you profess to be. What he cares about is what's in your heart. He cares about who you are at the end of the day. What is it that makes you you? What is it that drives you? The Jesus I follow is full of love and compassion. And what he teaches flies in the face of everything that I hate about religion. And if I were to sum it all up, I would bring it all down to just one word. And that would be grace. Believe it or not, it is a whole lot easier to pursue a religion that is intellectual, that is academic. Because if you do that, it's all about what you know and not about what you do. It's all about how good you can remember stuff and not about who you are at the end of the day and what drives you. It's a whole lot messier to follow a Jesus who loves sinners who forgave adulterers. It's tough to follow a Jesus who, as he's dying on the cross before he takes his last breath, he forgives a common criminal because he couldn't wait to distribute the grace that now he suddenly had available to him and give it to those who don't deserve it. Grace is the truth that we see over and over in the Bible, and grace is what drives this church. I've said this many times, and it's true for me. While I may be at times embarrassed to call myself a Christian because of the craziness and the evil that gets done in the name of Christianity, I am never embarrassed to call myself a follower of Jesus because he is the only thing that I have found in this world that is real and that is worth investing my life Look, I have had my share of struggles and failures in my life. And those of you who have been with me for 25 years, you've seen them. And I know 
that I am just a messed up somebody who has been saved by the grace of God. And when you understand that about yourself, you can't pretend to be something that you're not. I can't stand up here in front of all of you and pretend like I got all of it together because I sure don't. You're comfortable with who you are and your failures and your shortcomings because you know that God still accepts you. You can get to the shame of whatever is in our past and be able to walk forward, head held high, knowing that God loves me anyway. I love following Jesus, but I fail miserably at it every single day. But every single day I get up and I make a commitment, whether I keep it or not, to walk through that day, not in my ego, in the person that I created myself to be, but to walk every day in authenticity, being the person God created me to become. Through the last 25 years, I have learned a thing or two about walking the narrow dirt path that leads to Jesus. I've learned that it's not an easy road, but it is really easy to lose your way. I have also learned that no matter how hard the Christian life is, I have to tell you to follow Jesus and to live with a sense of purpose and passion and mission. There is no better life. Go try it. There is nothing more fulfilling than living the life that God has created us to live. I just celebrated my 55th birthday last month. And I have to tell you this. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. That's all the old people clapping. <laughs> but I will tell you this. I don't think I got another 55 in me. And so you start to get the feeling like you're running out of time, you know? And I just have this sense that I just don't want to waste the rest of my life on stuff that has no meaning. And for me, this church represents the part of my life that will last beyond the grave. As I said earlier, and as many of you know, and as many of you are tired of me reminding you about, I am just a volunteer here. And it's a whole lot of work for me to do what I do here. And I'm not complaining, but I want you to know this. There's only one reason why I do what I do here. And that's because I believe in the mission and the vision of this church. And as I go forward in my life, I want to be with a group of people who get it. Who are so tired of the superficiality of this world and they get that this church is like our last shot at finding something that is real and authentic and life-changing and will do whatever it takes to protect the mission and the vision of this place. I'm all in with all of you. As imperfect as it is, as flawed as it is, I just see the beauty of Westridge all the time, where I see Westridgers who are there for each other in their darkest hour, people supporting each other and loving each other through the tough times with a sense of joy. And I can honestly say that my own life has been changed as a result of this church. 
I am so blessed and I can't imagine my life without it. We, um, we lost a, a Westridger this last week, uh, John Mueller. You may remember he was the quiet man at the door of the auditorium right here. Every Sunday he gave you a warm smile to welcome you or serving your communion here at the front. And uh, he was an incredibly beautiful man and we will miss him deeply. But I have to tell you, he won't be alone. Because over the last 25 years, we've had many Westridgers go on and be with Jesus ahead of us. People like Jeanette Haig, Christine Schroeder, Marge and Kaja Kreitz, and Paul Snow White, Norm Whitney and Steve Garten and Dean Dirks and Rich Frank. And that's just a few. There's a whole lot more. And so I imagine that now there is like this little spot in heaven that's just kind of set aside for Westridgers. And, you know, we don't get along really well with other church folk, so it may not be the best part of heaven. But I promise you there's a place for us up there. We may not be a, a perfect church, but we are a group of people who love Jesus and we do our best to follow him in the way that we can and follow him down that narrow dirt path. And here's what I'll tell you. Here's the beautiful thing about this church is that when we stumble, when we fall, that there is another Westridger at your side who is there who will grab your hand and he will lift you up back on your feet and say, come on, let's finish this journey together. And when you finally cross the finish line of this life and you walk into the next one, there at the door of heaven, I imagine that John will be standing right there to greet you and to look at you and to go, oh, you're a Westridger. We're over here in the back. <laughs> We've been waiting for you. Is there anything you'd like to say to Westridge on its 25th birthday? To me, the most important thing is staying connected to, to Jesus. Being in the Word every day is, is critical. I can't go a day without reading scripture. It's part of, it's part of who I am. I need, I need him every day. Just stay faithful to him, stay in the word, and stay in fellowship. Oh, man. <sighs> I love Jesus. He changed my whole life. I think of the lyrics of the song by uh, We the Kingdom. There's this song they have. It. I'm not yet where I'm going, but I'm a long way from where I was. And that's the truth. God changed me, transformed my life. <laughs>